0: Picture your life as a four-burner stovetop. One burner represents your family, one is your friends, the third your health, and the fourth, career. Now, if you have them all going at once, you're going to burn out. So in order to be successful, you need to turn one off. If you want to be super successful, they say turn off two. My name is Josh Earle, and by the end of this podcast, we'll see which ones are being left on and which ones are getting turned off. This is Four Burners. Hello and welcome to Four Burners. My name is Josh and please welcome this week into your ears, into your hearts, writer, comedian, show creator, and I was going to say giggler, but no, you're more than than a giggler. Anyway, can you please welcome Adam Richard, everyone. Yay.
1: I am a professional giggler.
0: Yeah, I love it. I did get
1: paid for that for a long time. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like sometimes they would make me go into the studio If I'd been sick from work When I was working in radio and Because they, they put out these CDs of um, prank calls Yep. And if I had been away that day uh, And they wanted to put that prank call on the CD They would make me go and listen to it alone in a booth And I'd have to giggle And in they'd the, add that in later
0: <laughs> In the 10 years of you doing that show They didn't once isolate your laughs And just go, oh, we'll use that
1: Someone did. I did yeah. a I used to do an Australian music show with someone like once or twice a, a month and he just copied my laugh and then would just paste it into his terrible jokes.
0: When <laughs> like I it was, was on, on Sunday on, night. <laughs> when I was on Triple uh, R we did a uh, sketch show called Lime Champions mm. with Damien Lawler and he wrote he great. would write these sketches called uh, and then what did you do? And it would, yeah. him just saying stuff and then me asking and then what did you do? And I couldn't stop laughing. And I said, just just take some clean ones. And he goes, No, no, I need I want it live because you react differently in each one. I don't want to just have the same one. That's not oh as funny. God. And it would be me on my Sunday afternoons, sometimes for half an hour trying to get these and then what did you do out for a two and a half minute sketch?
1: Yeah. He was just torturing you for the fun of it. Yeah, he was.
0: So thank you for doing this. Uh, we go through your four burners, uh, your stovetop mm-hmm. burners. We do friends, career, health, and family, and you choose which. order we do with them in? Are we are
1: these gas or electric? I need to know.
0: Uh, we, we'll go gas
1: <laughs> for you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Natural gas. <laughs> Oh my god! I've lowered the tone already. I'm so sorry.
0: No, it's good. It's good. Sometimes it gets very. People come in and go. I'm going to cry on this episode. I'm like, no, no. You, you can be whatever you want to be. It's fine. <laughs> so, which one do you want to choose? Friends, career, health, or family?
1: Um. Oh, I should probably start with career because that's Great. been weird lately.
0: <laughs> so this is what I ask everyone. So, so what it is that you say that you do?
1: Um. Now I say that I work at a quiz show. Great. Like, And also, sometimes do podcasting. But so, for the, more, for more the listener,
0: <laughs> Adam is the head writer at Hard Quiz.
1: Oh, no, no, no. There's no head writer because we are a quiz show. So, we have a question producer who's in charge. Okay. And then there's, although now we have a question manager, it's a whole thing. Um, but we have senior writers because it's yep. a big job. There's five of us, there are five yep. senior writers, and we each oversee an episode. So, because we'll do, we used to do five episodes in a week, we're down to four in a week. Um yeah. so yeah, it's it's huge. So yeah, I'm a senior writer. <laughs> Which just makes me sound old.
0: <laughs> and, and the show is hard quiz. So for those who aren't from Australia, it's mm. the uh it is it the number one quiz show in the country? It's the number one quiz show in the country. I think it's the
1: number one show on the ABC with any regularity. Behind Bluey. You know, yeah, behind Bluey. Um, <laughs> it's like the number one primetime show on the ABC uh, when Gruen's not on. Um, it's Yeah, it's like a Wednesday night entertainment staple. We're heading into our 10th season Yep, this year. Um, and it is basically a very straightforward quiz show, but it's hosted by comedian Tom Gleeson, who is awful to the contestants about their very nerdy topics that they turn up that they think they're experts on.
0: Okay. <laughs> so you're now writing, but you've done so many things before that. So mm. what what were you let's go through all, all the jobs you've had in oh your, my God. In, in your in life. My, all, all my all my jobs. Career jobs, not just jobs. like working at the supermarket or something like that.
1: Yeah, please. let's not talk about the time that I made baked potatoes in a food court <laughs> in Basingstoke <laughs> in the UK. <laughs> needs to hear about the time I cleaned toilets at a <laughs> computer place. Um, yeah, career jobs, I can't, I started writing really, like I always said, I wanted to be a writer when I was yep. five um, and went to, uh, I studied professional writing and editing at RMIT yep. um, for a while, but then didn't finish because I started doing stand-up in 96, end of 96. Yep. Um and I did that for 22 years. I was a stand-up comedian for 22 years, uh, which I feel like is long enough to do anything.
0: Yeah. Like <laughs> like 20 years is... Well, also in our career, we don't get long service. We don't. No. Or even holidays. You don't give we don't yourself get... holidays.
1: It's, it's yeah, it's I punishing.
0: I it's... We barely get paid. <laughs> On the other hand, technically, we do only work 10, 20 minutes a night. You say that, but uh, then,
1: yeah. you know what it's like. Like oh, if you've no. got a if you've got a gig at eight o'clock, like there is nothing you can do in the daytime that makes that feels okay. Yeah, like you can't go, oh, I'm going to go to and get a massage, because the days that you've done gigs when you've had a massage, you've been so relaxed, it's like, ah, I don't really care about the the lamps. laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> um, yeah, like there's just, there's not much, you, and if you do too much in the daytime, you're exhausted, so it's like a, I know we say we only work for half an yeah. hour at night time, but it's... It, kind of stuffs up your whole day. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I did that for 20, 22 years. I was a comedian, um, a stand-up comedian. Uh, and in that time, I also I worked in radio. I did uh, 10 years of breakfast radio in yep. Melbourne, um, which is, you know... <laughs> Feels like, like I know I did it for ten years, but it feels like about six weeks because the sleep oh. deprivation kills your memory. Like I thought you were going
0: to say, it felt like a hundred years.
1: No, you just don't remember it. Like it just goes. Yeah. Like you, you the memories don't bed in. I was talking to um Limo one day on a cruise. We we're doing gigs on a cruise, and we're we'd both we were both on the other side of doing brekkie at that point. I mean, he's gone back, weirdly. Uh, <laughs> but it, it would just say, like, I don't remember anything. And he said the worst one for him was he was doing an interview with John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, and they were going, oh, good to see you again, and blah, blah, and, you know, talking and joking around. And after the interview, he goes, oh, it was really funny how you pretended you'd met me before. And they're like, that that wasn't pretend. We yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You interviewed us, like, three years ago for this other film. And he's like... Really? He had no memory of ever having met them. Like, he's like, it's Will <laughs> Pharrell. I remember we- meeting Will Pharrell, surely. No, yeah. gone. Out of your head. Like, just memories just don't bake in when you're sleep deprived. So
0: it. God. I know it was 10 years. Imagine being Will Pharrell and being big time by Limo. Jesus I know. <laughs> Limo. <laughs> All right. So in that time as well, you also uh, created your own show, Outlander. Yes. Yeah, yes. again, in the middle
1: of uh, all of that <laughs> sleep-deprived craziness. And yeah. work was, were, you know, they were being arseholes about it, I can say it now. Because yeah. uh, I don't work now. I don't want to. But yeah, they were like, oh, Adam needs to decide what he wants to do with his life. I'm like, I spent five years developing this show. It's yeah. taking three weeks. <laughs> Filming, Like, I'm not even missing... Like, I'm still turning up to work. What are you complaining about? Like, anyway. But, yeah, I I developed a show for the ABC. It was a six-part narrative comedy show about a gay science fiction club.
0: (laughs) So, while you were doing the radio and also comedy at the same time, did Mm. you... Was it one thing where you were like, I'm a comedian who does radio, or I'm on the radio, I also do stand-up?
1: I saw them as very different, separate things. Yeah. Um... Mainly because I, you know, when I, just before I started in radio, a lot of people who had been doing radio before, uh, or doing stand-up before they went into radio, had finished their jobs. And I was, you know, I, was, I did a lot of MC work when I was yeah. a stand-up. And so I would have a gig with someone who'd been on radio for eight or nine years, had decided to go back to stand-up because that was, you know, what they yeah. loved before they did radio. And they were a shit house. Yeah. <laughs> like cuz no one no one kind of told them that it moves on it changes it it evolves and yeah. the audience doesn't you know want to see your crappy old jokes from 10 years ago
0: <laughs> I, I know i've said this publicly in the past but jokes they age like fruit not like yeah. wine yeah like you've got to you got to get new ones yeah <laughs> can't leave them in the bottom of the fridge i mean you uh, can
1: you can you know make a different recipe with the same
0: kind of fruit, yeah but make <laughs> <laughs> like a plum cake or something uh, yeah. so did you did you have were you like clearly very driven as a person mm. did you have these like five year plans ten year plans anything like that?
1: No no because every time I planned anything, like it wouldn't kind of come off it wouldn't work like yeah, you know I would pitch things and they didn't go anywhere I would kind of uh. Like the first time I worked in radio, um, I got asked to be on Triple M's New Breakfast Show with Steve Bedwell and uh, Tim Smith, which was at the time called the Squirrel Grippers. <laughs> They'd take it over for Richard Stubbs. Uh, and Richard Subs had Wendy Mooney on because um, you know it's they had to have one woman. Yeah, and I was I did a few spots for uh, Steve Bedwell, Tim Smith, and like realised that I was the woman. Yeah. And I'm like oh my god, this show is so blokey. They've gotten a man in to be a woman because <laughs> I sound camp. <laughs> And I was terrible at it. I was very early in my career. I got a lot of really huge things really early on. And yep. I, so I just kind of had to go with the flow. Like I got a I got taken to Edinburgh in like like eighteen months after I'd done my very first gig. Yeah. Um to be like to make a TV show in Edinburgh with Carl Barron of all people. Like, oh. you know, it was insane. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I was in the raw Comedy National Final uh, barely a year after I started with Lawrence Mooney and Damien Callinan, yeah. um, Tahir. Like, it was...
0: Yeah. And you... Because I, I remember seeing you on Hey, Hey, at Saturday. Oh, my I, God, yeah. So that would have been... Well, that went off air in 99, I think,
1: did it? Yeah, I, I was... <laughs> so, yeah, I did stand-up on there in 99, which was just after I got back from uh Edinburgh kind of thing cuz they'd seen that special they loved Carl they had Carl on a few times so they yeah. were like oh yeah well if you know you're on with Carl you must be good kind of thing um and yeah they after I did stand up on there they invited me back to do one of their weird panel game things yeah and it was the week that they were told they weren't coming back <laughs> so that was a strange <laughs> episode to be hanging out like hi
0: <laughs> um so no no career goals but you said you always want to be a writer. Yeah. So and at- stand up
1: is like it's writing on the fly essentially, yeah. you know. You I you know, my hideous process, which I used to write beforehand and practice it and take it on stage and that never really seemed to work. Like all the stuff that I said in between the prepared stuff was better than any of the stuff that I prepared and I realized yeah. that my process was to write in front of people, yeah. um, which is a horrible thing to learn about yourself.
0: <laughs> so when you were writing Outlander then, did you, was it, because it you and another guy, or was it John you Richards, writing? John yeah. Richards, yeah. So you, was it always a collaboration, or did one of you come on later than the other?
1: Uh, no, no, no. We kind of like, he just said, you know, have you got any ideas for TV shows? And I was like, you know, I, I just was throwing stupid ideas at him. And he goes, oh, yeah. that one sounds like fun. And so... I'd write a script and send it and he would, you know, rewrite it. And we just basically kept rewriting it. At one point I deleted a whole bunch of jokes. He goes, why did you delete all those jokes? I was like, no, oh, I didn't think they were very funny. He goes, they were your jokes. I was like, yeah, that's, that's how comedians yeah. go. That's why yeah. we, <laughs> we're like, oh yeah, I've said that eight times. That's enough.
0: <laughs> so, all right. So you're very lucky. So for 22 years, you were kind of always employed. Hmm. And then, well, I mean
1: stand up. Can you call it employed?
0: Well, <laughs> it's like You seem to be from the outside, you seem to always be working. When I was Yeah, I was always around. working,
1: but like, yeah. you know, when I first moved to first time I ever came up to Sydney was like 2000 and yep. I was making like 250 a gig. And the last time I did a gig in Sydney, it was 175. Yeah, it's like, the only
0: industry where the prices have gone down for what you're paid. Yeah, and yeah.
1: I used to I used to come to Sydney for like 5 months of the year to do gigs and that would pay my rent for a full year and a, another like about another 18 months, you know, yeah. from those gigs. Like I could afford to live. Whereas, you know, one week of gigs in Sydney won't even pay your rent for a month, like. No. <laughs> it's it's if it's something you want to do to make money, unless you're like, you know, Hannah Gadsby or Tom Gleason, uh, you're, not, <laughs> you're not making enough money to, to pay the rent. <laughs> I can tell you for free.
0: So you and Carl doing shows together, because I always thought you were never kind of pigeonholed into just one thing. Because when I first started doing it, you mm. do the lounge a lot. You do like the mm. clubbier gigs. Yeah. Plus also do the the arty rooms and the yeah. the rooms I was frequent. I never did the clubby gigs when I first started. I just didn't have the confidence to go up there and get yelled at by by people. So I was like, <laughs> I'll just stay where I'm comfortable. <laughs> um, but yeah, how, was that just out of necessity or was that was it you actually went, oh, no, I enjoy doing these gigs in front of these people? That was, um,
1: no, it was it was more out of a, this is a weird thing to say, like I started doing stand-up because I, I didn't really want to do it. I didn't really think it was... You know, uh, you know, I was I was doing a writing course, like it was kind of lowbrow, really. Yeah. Um, but I used to go to a lot of gigs with Corinne Grant, um, because you know I'm sure you've spoken to many women in the industry, it, especially back then in the late 90s. It was terrifying. Like there was yep. only ever one woman on the bill. She was backstage with a lot of alpha males who are kind of posturing and being horrific. And I didn't realize until years later that, you know, I was just there as a buffer, basically. Like, so she had a witness (laughs) or, uh, you know, someone just to go, this is terrifying. But I got to see a lot of really homophobic material, like people just doing horrific jokes, thinking that they were hilarious um and you know people would laugh at them uh and i was like oh someone needs to do something about this and then no one was and i was like i have to be the gay comedian how annoying
0: yeah well it's Um, (laughs) it's funny when you say people laugh at them because i I sometimes think audiences laugh at jokes like that just out of politeness because they're like oh we don't really find it funny but this is what we're we're here to do so all right we'll laugh and then some New comics think, oh, this is what that room is. So I've got to give yeah, them no. th- that stuff, and then you're like, no, no, like audiences just want to see you do yeah. your thing, yeah,
1: yeah. If if if, and I saw it happen. Like I saw people who had kind of guaranteed um, laughs on certain homophobic material. That if I was on the lineup and did a gig, that they would then do that joke afterwards, and it would get nothing. It was yeah. like the audience going. Oh, we don't have to laugh at that. Yeah. Like, we've seen a gay person making jokes, sometimes at their own expense, but often, you know, just doing other jokes that we've been enjoying regardless. And we like him. And now we feel like to laugh at that is a betrayal of that person. So it's like, yeah, I used to, I, I noticed there were a couple of, um, MCs who used to try and get all their homophobic material out before they introduced me because they knew it wasn't going to work after (laughs) I, which was a whole other situation. Yeah.
0: Did they ever try and go? It's all right. I'm mates with Adam. We ever use? I've got this one gay friend.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, we weren't mates.
0: (laughs) No. Um, So after 22 years, what was the reason why you said I'm done? Was it you not enjoying it, or was it just you going enough's enough?
1: I always enjoyed being on stage. I mean, yeah. the money thing was like, you know, where it was just kind of like, well, it's it's like I'm being paid to do a hobby. Like, yeah. you know, it wasn't really making me any money. Um, but also like the being on stage is great. Doing the gigs is great. But the slog is exhausting. Like, yeah. you know, getting to gigs, going all the way out to the middle of nowhere to maybe perform to 20 people. Yeah. Um, and some of the people that you have to spend time with at gigs. Like, you know, you very rarely do gigs with people you're friends with and that you like. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the good people uh, are booked. And if you're a headliner, you're not getting booked with another headliner. You're getting booked with very needy, up-and-coming people who either want to talk to you until the cows come home about, you know, other gigs they've done and you're like, yeah, I've been there, I've been doing this yeah. for 20 years, I know what it's like. Um, or it's just annoying assholes who you can't bear to spend any time with. Um, and Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the reality. Like, you know, we don't all love each other. We're not all best mates,
0: you know. <laughs> was it was it scary finishing then?
1: I, it was not a decision, like, that I made. I had a gig booked um, that I cancelled because uh, uh, Tommy and Carl asked me to come and do a Dum Dum Club recording in Brisbane on yeah. the same weekend that I had a gig booked. And I was like, oh, I can't make it. I've got to go to a gig in Brisbane. And they're like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And I just never booked another one. Like, it was – there was no – Decision. So the last the last gigs I did, I did a run of gigs in Threadbow and uh Perisher in the snow. Um with Bev Killick. And yep. then we finished with a weekend at Happy Endings in King's Cross. And that was that was my last stand up gig. <laughs> like I did it wasn't really marked as like, that's it, I'm finishing. It was just like oh
0: yeah, no, I just I can't be bothered. All right, like, last <laughs> last question about career and then we'll move on to another burner. So mm-hmm. I asked this of everyone. <coughs> so I'm a magic genie, mm. thanks. And I can grant you any wish you want to do with your career, but it can only mm. be your career. You can't wish for someone else to have success. <laughs> what What's the wish?
1: What's the wish? I, I don't know. I feel like I've been so blessed in so much of my career that I don't know that there's anything I would wish for. Like, it's very, it's I would wish you. for you to be actually dressed by, like, Barbara Eden. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well you can't see my midriff is showing under this. Like, yeah, oh you, can't, you are you can't Barbara see, Eden. I've got it out. I've got it out. Um, so nothing. You're just happy. Yeah. That's, that's, I, a, that's very again,
1: cool. it's it's like I said, if I if I really want something, it never really kind of manifests. So yeah. it's you know, I kind of see it like some weird form of surfing where it's just like you just catch the wave and you ride it until you get dumped in the sand and then you get up and get back on a different wave. And, you know, I'm I'm 53 next week. <laughs> and it's been okay. I've had a really good time. So it's been great. I, yeah. I think I'll just continue doing what I'm doing and enjoying what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. Next
0: n- next burner. Friends, health or family. Which one would you like to talk about?
1: Um, Maybe health. Health. Great. Yeah. Okay. Would you say you're healthy? Uh,
0: not at the moment. <laughs> so, that's, that's, so a year ago, you had a major accident. Yes, a fat old fool fell down a step. One step <laughs> on holiday too. First day of your holidays. It
1: was I. So it was on my birthday. Um, I was <laughs> it was a gift. I my beautiful fiance Gary bought me a trip to Vanuatu. And on the way to breakfast on the first day, I slipped on an algae-covered step and fell into a lagoon <laughs> and completely tore my quad away from my knee. Oh, um, uh, like it was like fully floppy. It was like yeah, like <laughs> just not attached. And I could see the muscle trying to grab on to the bone, and it just yep. it's, was not connecting. Um, uh, fortunately, I'd had some dental surgery the week before, so I had a lot of codeine. Yeah. Uh, so I was just self-medicating. Like, what, uh, what's the,
0: what's the medical service like in Vanuatu? Terrifying. Yeah. Um, we like
1: for health insurance, for health insurance, for travel insurance, I had to go and get a, a X-ray to just make sure you know, and see what was wrong. Um. And the hospital is wildly underfunded. Uh, So, if you ever go to Vanuatu, feel free to just throw some money at the hospital. They had, like, two wheelchairs in in their capital city hospital, like their main hospital. Um, And they had two wheelchairs and, like, one of them they couldn't find. And the one they gave to me had, instead of a seat, like a plank of wood. And instead of a footrest were just some bandages that had been tied around the frame of the wheelchair. Like, it was yeah scary. So um, how, how was
0: the flight back then with that leg? Well,
1: this is the beauty of getting travel insurance uh, that you know you can't bend your knee so you have to fly in uh, oh. business class and they happily pay for it at right the, the travel insurance. Um, there you so go. You if, go.
0: if you if you want to get business class guys, go to Vanuatu slip, do your knee Do your knee. And also, not
1: only that, but you get wheeled around in a wheelchair at every <laughs> opportunity. Like you get, like I got pushed to the front of the queue at customs, both ends. Like it was amazing.
0: And also, just before this, as well, you'd mm. been the healthiest you'd been since I'd known you. I think.
1: Yeah. Well, until this is. See, it's kind of like I think the knee thing was compounded by the fact that I'd put on twenty kilos uh, in the preceding. Eight months. Um so I got COVID in twenty twenty two and it was long COVID, like yep. like it went for about six months. Um and if I and like, you know, I was enjoying running, like that was my favorite thing to do. Yep. Uh which sounds weird for someone to come to running in their fifties, but here I am. Um but yeah, I was I loved running and I every time I went for a run when I had these ongoing COVID effects, I would go for a run Monday morning, feel fine, Monday afternoon, feel fine, then Tuesday and Wednesday be unable to get off the couch, like full chronic fatigue symptoms, like becoming sore throat and coughing, like, you know, actual kind of COVID symptoms reappearing. So I kind of had to stop doing anything physical because I, like, was back at work. Also, I had, like, the whole cognitive thing going on where I would become confused. Um, Like, I was – you know when you read a book, sometimes you'll get to the end of a page and you're like – I remember any of that. Yeah, <laughs> I was off with the fairies. I was getting that watching Netflix, like <laughs> I was watching like boring romantic dramas on Netflix and going, "Why are they in this room?" And then I rewind it for twenty minutes. I'm like, I've done nothing but sit here and look at this, and I don't remember any of these things. Like it was really strange. So. Yeah. Yeah, doing anything physical would affect me mentally. So I kind of yeah, I ended up putting on twenty kilos because I just couldn't physically do anything. Yeah, for like six months. So yeah, I think that my poor <clears throat> knees had been, you know, I, they were weak. <laughs> I
0: also think once you because you were running a lot and you're like you had lost <clears throat> a lot of weight, but obviously when you do more exercise, you get more of an appetite. Yeah, to fuel that. And so yes. if you have to stop suddenly, like any injury and stuff like that, you still have that yeah. appetite. And so you eat without burning off the thing. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But I'm still at least 20 kilos down from my worst weight, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> but I just haven't been able to shift back to... But I've started, like, I do little runs. I can do, like, a minute or two minutes before it gets really painful. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I go on the stationary bike. I do a lot of physio to yeah. try and get
0: on top of things. And mental health? How, how's that? Um,
1: that's been, uh, you know, up and down. Um, I try to keep on top of it. I, I see a, a psychologist about once a month maybe just yep. to sort of keep on top of things because I have like um, uh, anxiety. Uh, i prone to depression, but I haven't really gone into a depressive hole for ages. In fact, the last time I did was... This is a weird thing. I had like a... You can get like a memory of depression. <laughs> it just... I don't even know how to explain this, but I had... Um, I was writing a story about a time when I was depressed and I became depressed while kind of recounting the yeah. depression. Like it was a weird kind of situation. But yeah, that's a—that's well, like get, a whole thing.
0: I guess that makes sense though. If you uh, remove yourself, and also a grieving for that time as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any, like, uh, indicators where you know if you are getting a bit down? Like, for me, it's if, if if neither Beck or I put the doona back on, like the doona cover back on the doona, you're like, all right, something's... <laughs> yeah. We're either yeah. far too busy or <laughs> we're depressed. Uh, do you have any indicators like that?
1: Um, for me, it's, yeah, it's, it's things like that. I remember reading um, a great article that kind of articulated how depression affects me which is the insurmountable task which yep. is going to the shops and buying food like it's just like going downstairs it's like if you're creeping around the kitchen looking for crumbs to eat because you don't want to go to the supermarket it's like oh yeah no this is not okay like yeah. if I am afraid to go outside for whatever reason that's yeah. a that's a problem.
0: <laughs> I was listening to a podcast called Work Life with Adam Grant, and one of the mm-hmm. very early episodes—oh, was it that one? No, it was—it was one on happiness. I can't remember. What the, what the was, but they said one of the very first episodes was like, um, "If there's a task that you can do in under a minute, yeah, just do it. Yeah. And if you don't, if you if you are struggling to do that task, maybe you need to look at your mental health. Is there something? There might be something there that's blocking you from doing that. Yeah, because this is the thing like, if you go, it's only going to take a minute. Like, it's like sweeping the crumbs up. Like, yeah. it'll take a minute. Just do a minute. And otherwise, it's going to build up and build up, and then it's going to be a bigger task. So, if you can just do it in a minute, and if there's something physically blocking you or mentally blocking you, that's when you need to go, hey, step back. Something else is bigger here. You need to work on that.
1: Like, I have your voice weirdly in my head um, when I'm tired. Uh, oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, no. It's from a stand-up show you did where you ended by saying, "Do the dishes before you go to bed." I'm oh, like, yeah, yes, I will. I will. Like, so every time I'm tired, I'm like, "No, I've got to make sure the kitchen's done." Like, just yep. going, even poking my head and going, "Oh, yeah, no, that's all taken care of." It but sounds it's just like, like a metaphor.
0: A, it's not. But it's not. <laughs> it's actually just practical advice. No one wants to wake up to a dirty kitchen.
1: No, it's horrible because there's cockroaches generally in there. Yeah, and <laughs> I live in Sydney. The cockroaches are the size of cats. <laughs>
0: um (laughs) growing up did your family uh focus on health no any talk about it
1: no both my parents smoked inside so my sister and i both have chronic asthma yeah um yeah dad was like hideously overweight uh alcoholic um mum was always going on some sort of crazy binge diet like you know like a soup diet or a boiled vegetables diet um so yeah, there was there was no kind of you know and like there was no sort of encouragement of any sort of physicality. Like I went to football once when I was a kid, and Dad was embarrassed that I thought it involved skipping, so he never took me again. Uh, <laughs> also, that I was afraid of getting hit in the face with a ball. Um, but you know, so I was kind of you know kept away from doing anything physical because it was I was not masculine. Like yeah. as, even as a little kid, I was quite. Effeminate, so yeah, it was like embarrassing for me to be seen doing anything physical outdoors.
0: <laughs> but you would have been a tall kid. with, with a taller kid yeah, in your class? Yeah, I
1: was. I was. Yeah, I was able to buy beer at sixteen. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, they, but that didn't get you any further in like doing sport and stuff like that. Because no, cause like I'm the, only saying that as the little kid who was. Yeah. I love sport. Yes, but wasn't picked straight away because I was little. Yeah. And so I always looked at kids who were taller, just going, but you've you've got an advantage there.
1: I think like you and Justin Hamilton also, who is, you know, yeah, my challenged. Um, both high. of you love playing basketball, which yeah. is very much a tall person's game. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I love that, you know, you both have that attitude of someone who's like, no, nah, no, nah, fuck it. I can still do it. Yeah. Uh, I think I was talking to someone about this the other day about talented people. And I think being tall is probably the same thing. Like talented people who have been talented all their lives, like from very young, a lot of them kind of sit in their bedrooms waiting to be discovered Yep. because they've never had to try and they've never really had to deal with failure. Yep. So they never, you know, they just sort of sit there going, oh, well, this hasn't happened for me. It's like, yeah, because you never put in an effort. Like, you just sat there thinking, oh, I'm a genius. Why doesn't everyone anyone notice it? Like, it's the same as like, when I was doing stand-up. Like, you know, I'd have people say, oh, my friend so-and-so is much funnier than you and he's gay. It's like, great, tell him to do a gig. I would love to have some people to hang out with. Like, there are yeah. no other bummers. Like, it's just me. <laughs> and it was, like, it's that thing. It's like, I didn't ever think I was the most talented person, but I knew that I could turn up and do enough of a decent job that I would get paid and people would have a good time. And that was kind of the bottom line so yeah i think really i think tall physical people probably don't really make much as much of an effort as say you and justin for something like that because it's been handed to them and they don't need to try
0: i i've said it before if i was six foot three there's no way i'd be doing comedy no (laughs) (laughs) be doing something else absolutely six foot and it's six foot my height and my tooth my yeah. front black tooth. Uh, that's that's why I'm in comedy. I'm absolutely positive of it.
1: Yeah. See, for me, like it was it was because I was from a minority. Well not from a minority, yeah. you know, I self selected that minority, I guess, in some ways. But yeah, it was it was more about the being gay was why I kind of got into it. It was nothing, you know, it was I'm not one of these people who was like, I desperately need to be famous or I desperately need to, you know, fill some hole in myself. <laughs> with laughter i mean that was probably part of it um (laughs) but yeah it was more about yeah like i felt like i had a not a duty but like a you know like a calling almost like you know i have to do this because no one else is and you know now that there's heaps of people doing it it's like that's another reason i felt like i i could kind of walk away from doing stand-up is because like you know there's there's Reese and there's Ballard and there's there's Creasy. Like there's all these people that are, I'm just like, oh yeah, no that that job's being done by other people. I don't need to do that part of it anymore.
0: Can I say Valvo's furious he wasn't included in that list? Oh, okay, yeah, but
1: that's because he spent a lot of time um,
0: <laughs> doing other things to <laughs> redress the balance. <laughs> um, I had one more question. I was oh, we'll talk about because you've been not drinking for twenty years now um 20 is it no 10 it's <laughs> 2013 10, 10 that's right i was gonna say 20 years really. no. that's right 10 years yeah yeah um was that because you love to drink the first time i, I really yeah. hung out with you was at the hi-fi bar i mean i'm not everyone was enjoying a drink then but yeah, yeah we're, you were very skilled you, you were, <laughs> Very and people could never really it.
1: tell how drunk I was. Like, I remember being out with someone and then going, oh, hang on. And then I threw up and they went, how drunk are you? And oh, I've been drinking since lunchtime. But they're like, you don't, Sam? I'm like, yeah, I know it's a problem.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Especially doing, I guess, breakfast radio, you're finished mm-hmm. by 10.
1: Oh, like- that's when the drinking started to be, become more difficult. Yeah. Like, like, I would get really tired and fall off chairs and stuff by about 10 o'clock. But- yeah. But yeah, I did start at about 11 in the morning. I can't remember. I found a receipt one day for a gold class screening of The Dark Knight where I'd spent like $400 on champagne. <laughs> it's a long film. <laughs> there were four of us in there <laughs> at 11am.
0: But you also, you stopped bringing me... I remember talking to you because you were like, um, I'll probably start up again, but at the minute I'm just not drinking.
1: Yeah, it was just two weeks. I just decided I was going to have two weeks off. <laughs> yeah. That never ended. It was... Again, this was the depressive episode that I was writing about. um, Where, so I, after, like, I'd been working in radio for 10 years at this point in 2013. um, And I had, I got replaced in Perth. I'd been doing Perth radio as well as Melbourne and Adelaide and occasionally Brisbane, um, Hobart. Uh, but I'd been doing Perth as long as I'd been doing Melbourne and I was replaced by someone 10 years younger than me, which yeah. makes sense because it's a young radio station Like it, and the person who replaced me was from Perth, so it all made sense. Um, they did not keep that job for very long, anyway. Uh, but, so that was kind of depressing you know, in and of itself, but then I spent the entire time at work... We had like an open plan office and on the other side of the partition from me was the guy who did the prank call on that nurse who killed herself. Yeah, um, And he had gotten an award for being the best jock in the country that week. And I'm like, where do I work Yeah, where my contribution for 10 years is rewarded with see you later? And his (laughs) contribution is rewarded with, here, have a prize. Uh, I'm like, this is not... So, yeah, I got really depressed. My psychiatrist put me on um, antidepressants and I became manic (laughs) after one tablet and... I was like, I'm cleaning the house and dancing to Abba. This feels like... I feel like I'm speeding off my head. She's like, oh, yeah, don't take a second one. She goes, I think your liver is just passing too much through. Like, because I had fatty liver, because I drank too much, and I ate bad food. Um, So, yeah. And I was terrified of, you know, uh, having a hangover and already being depressed, coming down off this insane, you know, medication and... I just was like, oh, look, ha- having two... Like, f- I gave up to like, hangovers for two weeks. So I was just like, I just don't want to have to deal with a hangover in this situation where I'm kind of mentally fragile. Uh, and, yeah, giving up hangovers is so much better than... <laughs>
0: That's a really like, that, good way to put it. Instead of giving yeah. up drinking, I'm giving up hangovers.
1: I was giving up hangovers. Like, I just I just was like, yeah. Like, everyone hears it as I'm giving up drinking, but I just gave up hangovers. And yep. like, and my last one was not... Like, it was a really bad hangover for a night where I didn't have that much fun. Like, yep. it's the same as the stand-up thing. It's like, you know, I wasn't having enough fun doing stand-up to put up with some of the assholes you have to spend backstage. <laughs> like, it's just like... Yeah This is This is like I don't get enough money Or enough joy To put up with Old mate They're telling me about You know How (laughs) About his transphobic attitudes
0: (laughs) Oh you're doing gigs with Dave Chappelle Great All right, next one Friends or family What's your choice Um, Let's do family Family Okay great Uh, How many in your family It's just my sister Just your sister (laughs) Growing growing up uh, Were your parents together
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. They were together. Like, they, they only... Like, I made them... Made, made my mum leave. Uh, I basically... When I was 18, I was still in high school. was finishing HSE and I... Because my dad was abusive, like, yeah. physically, emotionally, just awful. Um, and I just said... Like, and he'd left and she'd kind of let him back in and he was living in a bungalow at the back of the house. And I just said, look, I'm... As soon as I finish school i'm taking my sister, and we're going, and you won't see us again, so yeah. you know you can choose like if you really want him in your life that's fine, but we don't <laughs> so yeah, she eventually went ah uh, okay, that is yeah. quite a choice
0: <laughs> is that was that the role you kind of took on in your family as the protector of your sister,
1: yeah, a little bit,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, and like when Mum died, like I was twenty five. She was she would have only been twenty three, and yeah, I didn't ha- like that. Didn't hit me for like maybe two or three weeks until yeah. after we <laughs> dealt with the whole the funeral, the sorting out the property, like all of the stuff, and then I fell in a, a massive heap. But yeah, and that's kind of always been my weird relationship with grief. Is like, oh, I've got to do everything, <laughs> and then I can have some grief later on by myself when I'm on my own. Which is yeah. Not a great way to deal with things.
0: So your parents, up until you were 18, you all were in the one house?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my sister and I shared a room until we were like 12, 13, like way too long.
0: (laughs) It's so funny. So my kids used to share a room. They don't anymore Mm. last year. But it's such a weird thing. Like They're just siblings, but like we were like, oh, when we had two boys going... Mm. I think those two boys then they can share a room for longer. I'm like Yeah. They could share a room if the next one's a girl. Doesn't matter. Like, yeah. yeah. But in my own head, I'm going, no, no, you can only share with the same gender. No, no. I'm an idiot, people. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh no, but it's also just like uh, you know, you know what you're like at that age. It's, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah, we shared a room i been mean, for expediency, because we lived in like a shitty little um just yeah. two bedroom place in Brunswick. Uh before Brunswick was trending, yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, this is Before. when it was very, it was crime riddled. And my dad worked at one of those dodgy pubs. Um, <laughs> so what did you dad yeah. do?
0: Was your dad a publican,
1: A criminal? Um, no, he was a cleaner at a, oh. a, and yeah, he sometimes worked behind the bar in the pub. Like, I, I don't know what he did at the pub, but somehow it involved a sort off shotgun. And what did your um, mom do? She went back to work uh, when we were in just... I think when I started high school, she went back to working uh, in secretarial yep. jobs. She worked for unions. My, my grandparents lived at the Trades Hall. Yep. My grandfather was the caretaker, so that was like Nan's house. <laughs> Um Like, they lived in that flat upstairs. It was nuts. It's weird going there now because it's, in my memory... Like the stairways are huge And you know those balustrades upstairs at the trade hall You know where yep. there's the bullet hole that Squizzy Taylor Supposedly got shot through um, uh, They were like up here Like they were taller than me And now yep. they like look barely high enough To stop you falling down into them <laughs> Like wow This is a strange It's strange to go back to somewhere you haven't been for years Since you were a little kid
0: Oh no. Were well, um, your parents home When you got home after school Were that at work?
1: Uh, mum was until I went to high school okay. uh, but my my dad had these archaic attitudes towards women where he gave my mum a certain amount of money when they got married in 66 uh, yeah. to look after the house and just like a stand-up comedian that amount in whole dollar terms never went up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so by the time I was 12 uh, which would have been what 1983 uh, yeah, that that money was not going very fast, so she had to go back to work because he just wouldn't give her any more money. Yeah. Even though he was getting paid more, the amount of money he gave for housekeeping was the same.
0: So I asked <laughs> because those hours when you got home from school and no one was there, did you love mm. those?
1: Um, I don't really remember them. Like, I don't know. A lot of my childhood is just you know wall to wall trauma. So yeah, <laughs> I don't really. I spent a lot of time at the library. Like. Yep. I used to go straight to the library or and when we moved to we moved to Coburg when we were when I was twelve and I would just like ask to be dumped at the Coburg library and just go there until it closed. Uh like they had graphic novels in the library, like they had heaps of like these bound comic books and stuff and like heaps
0: of you know, books. I went to the library yesterday,
1: got myself some books. <laughs> I'm still into the library.
0: Um <laughs> Sounds like you're trying to escape. It's like a great way to, like, yeah. get your mind off what's actually happening and escape.
1: Also, my parents like never went past like year nine at school, so yeah. any any kind <clears throat> of intellectual pursuit they didn't understand or condone. So I was well up for that. Like, my my parents like were the same. My dad rebellion. finished year
0: ten. My mum dropped out in year nine. Mm. Uh, when I was in year ten, just finished year ten, I was offered a job, and they were like, "You're crazy if you turn this down." I'm like, "Yeah, but I want to." finish school and i want to go yeah. to uni and i like yeah but this is a job yeah like, yeah no. but it's not like
1: yeah yeah i had the same it was the same like i remember when i said i wanted to be a writer it's like my was like oh you're gonna need something to fall back on like you know yeah. you're gonna need a real job oh. and like here i am at 53 and i've i own a house and yeah. <laughs> all paid for by writing in some way or
0: another. i have material <laughs> about it. my mom went came to melbourne and came back when i saw the perfect job for you josh I went to this place called Dracula's Theatre Restaurant. It's <laughs> ideal for you because you can do your drama shit and also have a job. Your
1: drama shit. <laughs> yeah.
0: My drama shit. Um, uh. so, so just you and your sister. You, you're very close to your sister still.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's what happens in families when there's, uh, when there's a lot of fear, when, you know, the, like being the child of an alcoholic is you deal with a lot of uncertainty um, and that makes... You know, anytime there's uncertainty in your life, it becomes like a triggering kind of thing. So there's, you know, we're kind of each other's certainty, in if if that makes sense. It's like, oh, I know how you'll react to things. And we can talk to each other. It's like, I'm having trouble with this. And usually it's like, oh, yeah, it's because of dad. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how it boils down to. It's like, oh, because mum let dad do that, so we...
0: <laughs> so you're, you're engaged. Mm-hmm. Um your partner's family are they are they in australia
1: no 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 they're in hong kong they're okay. from yeah he's originally from beijing uh and he moved to hong kong when he was in high school the same as when i moved to coburg yeah not as exciting um as coburg obviously hong kong uh-
0: <laughs> um they they say it's the the coburg of china actually they do. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. it is so, like when i first moved to sydney i was like You have to queue for everything here. It's a very busy international city. And it's like, you know, I grew up in Melbourne and, you know, I thought it was a busy, big city. And then I got here and I was like, oh, my God, like, what is going on? There's a plane every two minutes. It's like I have to queue for breakfast. I have to queue for this. And in 2016, like about, so I'd been here for maybe four or five months. um, In 2016, we went to Shanghai
0: and Hong Kong. And I was like,
1: oh, yeah, Sydney's fine.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> well, I my kids have only ever lived in Melbourne and we were in Adelaide over the last two weeks. Oh, and please. I love Adelaide and this it's, is not a slight on Adelaide. But no. the fact that the supermarkets close at five is yeah. infuriating. And my kids it's, just couldn't couldn't believe that yeah. things weren't open on Sunday or closed at five. They're like, What do yeah. you mean? Like I'm like, they're closed. Like they yeah. close and they're like, Is it because it's like summer holidays. I'm like, no, no. No. It's all year it's round They're closed. <laughs> yeah. Because but.
1: it's it's you know they don't they don't have the size of population that can sustain yeah. having people paid penalty rates until 10 p.m. I, I as like opposed it. to where I live where there is a like two buildings over there's a Coles that's open till midnight every night. <laughs> um, I could just go downstairs and get ice cream whenever I want. <laughs>
0: i don't think i have any other questions about family yeah like yeah. families
1: yeah i had a you know there was my grandmother but she passed away when yeah. she was 88. i've got cousins and stuff but i don't really keep in contact with them but yeah
0: it's okay just... So our last one friends friends now, did, did you keep this one last because you wanted to talk about it or because you had nothing to say about it um yeah i kind of have shared a lot of friends <laughs> were you I, I were you the kid who ate the best thing on their plate first or did you keep it for last oh no, best was to last see I'm, I'm get, get it out first in case someone steals it um, oh yeah
1: no that's that, that's um that's just like I ate quickly full stop like that's you know that's my sibling thing It's just like yeah
0: <laughs> I this is a Sean Hughes bit but it's very much I agree with it and mm. it was the same in my family that um, we had five members of our family, but only four comfy seats in the lounge room. Oh, wow. It was mum and dad's like lazy boy rockers. Yeah. And then the couch, which could fit, you could fit three, but you don't want to be sitting in the no. middle. You want an arm each. And so if you were the last to finish your meal, you had to sit on the floor or yeah. pull one of the hard seats from the kitchen. And yeah. so you'd scoff your food so quickly yeah. so you could get. One of the two spots on the couch <laughs> Yeah
1: For me uh, it was I think it was because I was terrified of my dad It was just like The quicker I eat The sooner I don't have to be in his You know Potentially devastating gaze
0: At the dinner table Was Because I was I remember also Being Not scared at the dinner table But mm. they were, Even though we had TVs on mm. It was still Manners at the dinner table Was a huge thing Yeah Growing up And I remember just being petrified that my dad would yell at me for how I ate my food because I used to like get ice cream with topping or Milo Mm. and mash it up together and he, yeah. How a lot of people have ice cream, nothing (laughs) weird about it. He would lose his mind and I'd go. I can do this. I can get about three or four swirls in before yeah. it, I can feel him tense up. So I've got to try and do it really slowly so he doesn't notice it. Yeah. Or just go really quick and get as many in. And I just remember sitting there going, if so I can get five swirls in before he tenses up, I'm good. I can do this. Was, it, thing- the,
1: was it the motion or was it we we scraping the bowl like? Because that would drive me crazy. I think there was more going on. I think. Oh it yeah, was obviously.
0: More going on, and this was someone he could yell at.
1: Is he is he a don't let the food touch kind of guy?
0: You know those people that don't want the foods to touch. It's weird. He, he <laughs> You're <has> like. His, <laughs> he has his salad in a separate bowl. He won't have salad on the plate. Oh yeah. With the main meal, he will have it in a little bowl next to it. To so maybe side. he is a little bit like that. Yeah. But the other thing is, I would like. I used to like to eat an apple by just mm. with getting the peeler and just peeling the apple and just eating the oh, apple I, like, slices. Yeah. Like yeah. He hated just, that too. Oh, would drive him. I remember I don't remember just eat normal Josh. Just, I'm like, but this is how I it doesn't bother you. It's not noisy. It's just I'm sitting here peeling no. an apple and eating the slices. And it's that thing of like he yeah, had something else going on. I, yeah. I realise that now. But yeah. at the time, it was like I'm living in fear that I could get belted because I'm eating something not to his standards.
1: Look, I got to say, he's probably quite relieved that you married a woman and have children, because there was probably part of him going, "This is gay behavior." Oh, he, he mentioned that because <laughs> you're a bit flamboyant. You've got he, you've always he, had fun hair. <laughs> he mentioned
0: that in in his speech at my wedding. Wow! How how he for it was touch and go there for a while. We weren't sure. Yeah, yeah and it was like. Yeah, and also that thing, homophobic,
1: Mm.
0: it wouldn't have been accepted. No. No, I would have been out of the house. And and
1: like it's a small, you come from a small little town, like everyone would know and your house would have had the stink of gay on it forever.
0: That's what it would have been. It wouldn't have been if it was just us, okay, but the fact that other people would have known that and even me talking about this now, he might have some, I don't know if he, I doubt he knows how to use the computer to listen to it. <laughs> he fucking knows how to use Facebook, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, anyway. Moving on to friends. Now, uh, are you still friends with people from your youth? Yes.
1: Uh, I'm still best mates with my friend Donna, who I met in year nine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, We spoke on the phone yesterday for about an hour and a half While she drove from Donald to to the city Um, And like her parents kind of adopted my sister and I um, Like for Christmases and things like that Like because my sister worked with Donna's mum in a job that, you know, that like I had for a little while, but then she kind of like ran with it and like turned it into a career. Um, so she's really close to Donna's mom. And so, yeah, we just became very, we've had, you know, kind of like lived in each other's pockets for, I guess more than 30 years now. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe, actually longer. Like Yeah, if you come, met
0: in year nine, I'm doing the maths. It's, it's longer. Yeah,
1: coming up on 40 years. Yeah, it's a long time.
0: Uh, how did you make friends in school? Um, I was
1: flamboyant. I was, yeah. you know, I went, I went to school in the era of Boy George. So being a bit camp was kind of a fun exciting novelty that yeah. I'm sure is probably becoming fine again today, but you know, was not fine for a long time. <laughs> yeah.
0: So in the 80s, did you think it way more accepted? In it,
1: the was, 90s. it was It was. kind of a weird double-edged sword because it was like, oh, you know, being flamboyant in camp and it's like, you know, it's it's a thing, like, weird. I find it weird that, you know, gender-bending, as it was called back then, was kind of an accepted thing, um, much more than it is even now. Uh, but on the other side, you know, AIDS started to become a big deal. So yep. it was... It was like on one level, it's like, oh, how exciting! Adams just like you know one of these famous gay people we've heard about. Oh, he could poison me to death by looking at me. Um, so yeah, there was like a it was it was a weird time. But yeah, I'd kind of I've been open about my sexuality since high school, so yeah, which is you know um, a bl- a blessing for myself, but other people find it difficult to deal with weirdly. Like people who came out later are you know. I don't know if it's like a jealousy or a, or whatever it is, but it's just sort of like, how, how was it? I was like, it was great. I was, you know, I was a teenage twink. Everyone wanted me. <laughs> I was hot. <laughs> um,
0: okay, so uh, have you had any friend breakups? Oh, yeah. Like and have they been a big incident or just a slow ghosting? It's usually kind of
1: a slow. Um, I was accused by someone of abandoning them. While they were overseas. I don't know how that works. Uh, <laughs> I did pick them up from the airport when they got back and drove them to the house. But, you know, full abandonment. Um, but I I was talking about this on Nellie Thomas's podcast, Dear Nelly, the other week. Where <laughs> she does like these Zoom meetings with a whole bunch of listeners for her um, Patreon subscribers and stuff. Um, and someone was talking about the way a friend of theirs spoke to them. And I was like, if you wouldn't put up with certain language from a partner because you're like that's too much you need to apply those rules to friends yep. if someone talks to you like you're pathetic and you're beneath them and that you're you know like i had a friend who used to stick her fingers in her ears because the sound of my voice upset her somehow um that's not a friendship yeah. like that's an obligation ship and you can happily eject those people from your life uh, without worrying that it's going to have any detrimental effect on you. Like, it might hurt them, but they're hurting you in the long run with yep. this kind of behaviour. So, yeah, like, you can let people go who behave badly because we wouldn't put up with that from a partner. No, no. But for some reason we put up with asshole behaviour from friends and it's like, you know, I don't
0: have to. Yeah. <laughs> it is always the same thing If if... You, I had a friend tell you This is what my friend said to me You'd go, well, mm. fucking get rid of them But it, when it happens yeah. to you, it's, it's a lot harder to go Yeah. Oh, but we've got the history of But it's like, no, sometimes you just need to no. Cut and run Hey, this is a yeah. question that I know the answer to How many people in your life would you happily drive To and from the airport?
1: Um. Oh, anyone
0: like, I know, you've driven me to the airport Or from yeah, the I airport
1: drive, like, I mean, you know, it's handy that I live on the street Where the airport is <laughs> Get planes going over now, um, but yeah, I, 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 I mean, this is again part of my karmic uh, return. Like I was a forty-year-old peep later, yeah. so until I was in my forties, I was getting lifts anywhere and everywhere from and many from many people. So whenever anyone needs a lift somewhere, I am happy to do it just because I feel like I owe the world a lift. It's Still,
0: funny. I'm on the. I got my license at twenty-eight. Yeah, yeah, twenty. 20- Twenty seven. Anyway, but uh, I remember going on a holiday around Tassie with Beck, Mm. and she had to drive everywhere because I didn't have my license. And she was like, "Going when you get your license, you're going to fucking drive every single." I'm like, "Okay." And now I. And now, she gets a bit annoyed. She goes, "Why do you always just assume you'll drive? We share. We share the car." I'm like, "Oh, just because I didn't drive for so long, and now." And you told me. (laughs) And now, and now I'm happy to driving, and I'm like, it's it's not a gender thing. It's a because. You used to drive everywhere, so now we said yeah. that, yeah, so, yeah. She's not listening to this, but, yeah, that's that's my reasoning anyway. Um, <laughs> but, yeah,
1: I feel the same. It's just, like, I, I owe a lot of lifts, so yeah. I'm happy to. But also it's kind of like a fun, you know, it's, it's, it's fun times with someone. Like, you get to yeah. spend time with someone in, you know, sometimes when you want to spend time with people, you'll prioritise something else. You'll be like, oh, I've got to work, or, I've got to study, or I've got to, you know, do the dishes or whatever it is. But driving people somewhere is a chore that can be fun. Yep. So it's like, oh, I've just parceled out some time. I'm not coming to see your show because, you know, I've seen that a thousand times. So who needs to see that again? And we're not spending time together if I'm sitting up the back no. just having a tonic water. Yeah. Um, but yeah, driving somewhere, it's like, oh, yeah, this is fun. We're having a fun time. <laughs> like, it's, we can talk, we can chat. It's, it's not a, it's not a chore. It's, yeah, I'm happy to drive people.
0: I agree. I, by the end of this podcast, as in this series, I want yeah. people, to, I want the sky bus to go under. It's, it's going to let your friends I mean, drive I ca- places. I catch the train to the airport. More often than well, not. you can do that in Sydney. You yeah. can't do I'm, that in Melbourne. We've got I'm to catch two, the train to fucking st- Essendon, and then get a bus. <laughs> and then yeah, I'm
1: two stops away. <laughs> I'm closer to the airport than I was to Preston Market when I lived in Reservoir. <laughs>
0: um, do you set aside? Do you set aside time for friends? Yeah, all right.
1: Yeah, uh, Justin Hamilton and I. Um, again, this is what I'm talking about—the expediency thing. It's, we go for a walk on a Saturday morning around yeah. Centennial Park and then we go and have breakfast and we save up conversation all week. Like yeah. we occasionally ring each other, but it's just like, you know, and we say heinous shit to each other that, you know, would get us cancelled because it's, you know, like a release valve. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, that's, that's like a, a weekly thing. It's like, you know, I've put aside time to hang out with Juzzy in the morning and yeah, talk shit and have breakfast and drink too many coffees and then have to both run home before we shit ourselves because we're
0: <laughs> All right, that is the end of our burner talk. Thank you for doing it, Adam. That's all right. It was fun. Before we go, though, mm. we're going to talk about which burners are you living on right now in the year 2024 and which one or two or three are you turning off?
1: So um. we'll start with the ones
0: you're keeping on. Which one are you keeping on?
1: Well, I'm keeping career on because it career keeps on. the lights on. Right, yes. <laughs> Important. Um, no. Uh, like, like, cause we've decided that it's a gas stove. <laughs> um, health is like down, but I would love to be able to turn it up higher, but it just like, I feel like there's a blockage in the pipe.
0: <laughs> I, can I stand up for health? I think. Oh no,
1: I, I want to turn it on full, but I just physically can't.
0: But I, I I think you need to leave it on because you're doing your yeah. rehab on your knee, and once yeah. that once once the knee's fine, then you can turn it off. Yeah. But, Like yeah, but health yeah. health got to get your knee sorted or your quad. Yeah. All right. Friends and family.
1: Um, I feel like both friends and family are at that stage where I can turn them both off, and they're just going to keep simmering away regardless. Yep. Like they've they've both reached a state where they don't need any more heat If Do I make any sense? Like they yeah. still work Like they would work without heat
0: You've put the time <laughs> in Yeah you, you, You're poaching chicken You've boiled the water Now yeah. you can turn the water off And just yeah. leave it there And it's going to be In an hour Going to be fine
1: Yeah I feel like they're both in the slow cooker I put them on at 10 in the morning And then you know They don't even need the burner I, I seriously have gone crazy For like a slow cooker And pressure cooker Like it's
0: but do, you, do you own an air fryer? No I do not me either, and I <laughs> never want to own one. And it's, you know how impossible it is to tell family members that you don't have a, uh, like, oh, I know what to get you for next birthday, Christmas. Don't want one. I've it's just, become.
1: It's a glorified and, oven. Yeah, it is. It's, and, and, and like a quick oven, and it's expensive. Like it's, I think it uses a lot of electricity. Takes up bench once. space, Adam. That's my yeah, thing. That's, that's too, too much well, have got I've got a pressure cooker which takes up bench space. But the pressure cooker mashed potatoes are the fluffiest things you've ever eaten in your life. Because the more water you use, the more of the starches break down. So, yep. because pressure cooker, you use a tiny little bit of water. So, it's like all the starch in the potatoes lives
0: rent free. <laughs>
1: Must and be nice amazing. to eat carbs.
0: No, I do. I do. <laughs> you do eat carbs. How did you get those gums without carbs? <laughs>
1: It's not no, all protein. <laughs> you do
0: need carbs, listeners. You do don't don't cut them out. It's unhealthy if you do. It's all just right, bad carbs.
1: You don't need sugar. You don't need white bread. is basically yep.
0: what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So career health, career burning. F- oh, that's your big uh, walk burner one. Career yeah. going going strong. Health leaving it on because you know you don't want to have to deal with it later. Mm. And family and friends, turn them off for a bit. That's yeah. good.
1: Yeah. I don't like you know. I feel like they 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 they're maintaining their heat.
0: <laughs> Thank you for doing this, Adam Anytime You've got uh, you've got your podcast
1: Yeah, I've got Adam Richard Has a Theory, my daily Doctor Who podcast uh, Where, you know, you think, how can you talk about Doctor Who every day? It's been on for 60 years, there's plenty um, And uh, me, I am a memoir, The Meaning of the Meaning of Mariah Carey Where we did read her memoir, The Meaning of Mariah Carey But that was a long time ago And now for some reason we're listening to j albums and they're horrible <laughs> I don't know how we got there.
0: You need to go. You do the uh, Britney memoir. That's the next well, one.
1: I have contemplated the Barbara Streisand memoir, which is nearly a thousand pages and the audiobook is 48 hours. Does she read it? <laughs> yes, it's her. And she just, I get the impression the audiobook came first. Like she just is dictating stuff and someone's like hurriedly typing it out.
0: <laughs> just the, the notes, the voice notes she sent the ghostwriter. You just yes. uh, put them out. That'll do. I think so. Uh, well, I think you get those where you get fine podcasts. Hey, uh, Melbourne listeners, if you're uh, wanting to buy tickets to the Comedy Festival, come and buy tickets to my show. The show is called Four Burners, based on the popular podcast that you're listening to right now <laughs> where we talk about my uh, Four Burners uh, but with, with lots of jokes. I've been writing it. I think it's very funny. Hopefully you will appreciate it. It's on uh, only for two weeks at... April 8th to April 21 every night, no diets off in those two weeks, at Tasma Terrace, teaser at au. They're in the show notes here. Or you could also help out, if you're not in Melbourne, uh, by being a Patreon subscriber. And my podcast Pod Machine has just finished uh, last week, and now we move into Pod Fresh, the So Fresh <laughs> podcast. So, so it's still the same podcast. We talk, listen to pop songs and we, um, we talk about them we talk about whatever we want to. It's very fun. So that's uh, patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. Oh, also, you know, Hams on sale as well for comedy festival. So I'm doing four shows at uh, the Basement Comedy Club there on the sa- Saturdays or Sunday. I think Saturdays, yeah, 3 <laughs> o'clock. i just got to remember. Anyway, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Adam.
1: Are you, can I ask a question? Yep. Will there be a four-burner song?
0: No songs. no songs. No songs. I know that's
1: been your thing for a while now. but
0: two sorry, Two shows, no songs.
1: I feel like like there's, you know, there's a barbecue song in you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'll do a song about bunnings. Uh, I did, uh, this is true, I had a song when I did cruise ships.
1: Because I had,
0: for those who don't know my comedy, I would do songs, but I would do no parodies. It was original songs. And I was like, for some reason I went, no, I'm not going to do parody songs, even though audiences fucking love parody songs. I'm like, I'm not going to do them. But on the cruise, I thought, this is International Waters. I'll do Mm. a parody song. (laughs) And I thought, what what do people on cruises like? They like going to Bunnings. So I wrote to, uh, is it Steelers' Wheel, Stuck in the Middle with You? Yeah. I wrote Stuck in the Bunning Sausage Queue. Oh, and that is great. It, it did very well. And then when I was on land and the booker of the cruises came to my show, she goes, oh, I wanted to see the Bunnings song. Why didn't you hear the Bunnings song? I'm like, it's only in International Waters, baby. <laughs> Yeah.
1: If you can gamble, you can uh, – <laughs> maybe you should only do it in Pokey's venues now. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's it. I'll do it the clocks through the street. All right. I'm going to go. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. Bye.